He went up the mountain. There's so much significance in just that sentence. In Matthew saying, He went up the mountain. Now, not to get overly pedantic about this and not to turn this into a New Testament studies course this morning, but it's important for us to note that in Luke's account of this moment, this moment takes place on a level plane. In other words, for Luke, that's where Jesus delivers the Beatitudes, on a level plane. For Matthew, though, as we see here, Jesus went up the mountain to deliver the Beatitudes. And the important question here is not why does Luke say one thing and Matthew say another, but is instead, what is each writer trying to say theologically about this moment and about these words? And the answer, as it pertains to Matthew, is located in the words, he went up the mountain. The point here being that all throughout Matthew's gospel, not only in this moment, but nonetheless quite starkly in this moment, Matthew is deliberately trying to connect the life and the work of Jesus with the life and the work of Moses. In other words, for Matthew as a gospel writer, it is theologically vital that he represent Jesus as the new Moses, as the ultimate Moses. As the incarnate God, yes, absolutely, but in his incarnation as the new and the ultimate Moses. That's what Matthew is up to. And why does this matter, you ask? Well, that's a wonderful question. And that is the subject of this sermon. But before I get to that, a quick word on the significance of the words he went up. Now there are plenty of religions and philosophies in the world that are predicated on a going up of sorts. Which is to say, religions and philosophies that are about becoming truly enlightened that are about detaching ourselves from our desires and our emotions, and in so doing, experiencing the soul's ascent, that are about becoming one with the universe, and or about attaining true understanding of the God or the force or the principle behind the universe. And for such religions and philosophies, a sentence like, he went up the mountain, is speaking their language. Because for them, religion is all about going up the mountain, so to speak. Meanwhile, there are other religions and philosophies that are all about coming down from the mountain. That are all about forgetting the spiritual and the beyond and focusing only on the material and the present that are all about denying that there is anything eternal, and thus all about concentrating on life in the here and now, that are about reducing God or the force or the principle behind the universe to the universe itself, making the universe, in a sense, God. 
And for such religions and philosophies, the end of this scene from Matthew's gospel speaks their language. When Matthew in chapter 8 says, then Jesus came down from the mountain. This because for them, one is truly only alive to reality when he or she comes down from such childish notions as anything spiritual or of a life beyond this one and reckons instead with the world as it is here and now. Going up or coming down. Religions of ascent and religions of descent. There are tons of both. Judaism and Christianity, it is important to understand, are significant because they are religions of both ascent and descent. Moses went up the mountain, we saw, but then he came back down. Just as Jesus here in Matthew goes up the mountain, but then after giving new commandments, he comes back down where he begins to put those commandments into practice. Blessed are the poor, Jesus begins to teach on that mountain. And blessed are those who mourn. And blessed are the meek. And blessed are the hungry. And on and on, Jesus goes, citing ten beatitudes, ten blessed ours. It looks like there's nine, but he smuggles two into that last one. If you think that it's coincidental that there are ten of these blessed R's in Matthew's gospel, while there are only five in Luke's, it is not. Instead, Matthew is making a very specific theological statement here. Jesus, Matthew is saying, is proclaiming ten new commandments. Commandments that are not, in any sense, new in content, for it's not as if Judaism devalued the significance of the poor and the meek and the hungry, etc. But new in the sense that Jesus was establishing these realities as primary, as central, as foundational to what it means to be a follower of Yahweh God. Moses revealed ten commandments on that mountain long before, Matthew is saying here. But now, Jesus, he is saying, is sharpening and further focusing those commandments here on this mountain. We all still together? This sermon is already deeply theological. So why don't we make it a little bit more so? I can tell that that's what everybody wants. I can sense it. Take us a little deeper into the weeds, Austin. Okay, if you insist. Orthodox Christianity claims that Jesus of Nazareth, the man who went up the mountain in Matthew chapter 5, is in fact God incarnate. And if that is true, which I absolutely believe that it is, then what that means is this. It means that everything we see Jesus say and do and teach gives us the clearest possible picture that we as human beings could ever comprehend concerning what God in God's fullness is like. If Jesus is God incarnate, then it follows necessarily that when looking at Jesus, 
We can faithfully reason that God is like that. Remember now, when Moses went up the mountain, he could not behold the fullness of God. He could only momentarily glance at his back. But here on this mountain, in the person of Jesus, if we really believe Jesus is who we say Jesus is, then the disciples are beholding the very reality of God himself, made visible and comprehensible to human understanding and limitation. And what follows from that, then, is this. That if we believe this is true, if we believe that this is who Jesus really was, then the ten blessed R's of Jesus are every bit, if not more important to faithful human living than even the Ten Commandments of Moses. And while perhaps that might sound obvious to us as Christians, a quick scan of public buildings and landmarks and posted documents reveals a whole lot of Ten Commandments listings, but very few listings of the Beatitudes of Christ. Why? Because they're harder. And they require more. Which leads me back to where we started. When I asked why it matters that Matthew works so hard to connect the person of Jesus with the person of Moses. It matters for the same reason that Christianity being a religion of both ascent and descent matters, which is to say it matters because Matthew is trying to communicate to us, don't just hear and believe these things, live in light of them. Don't just affirm these things as good ideas, put them into practice. Don't just consider these things to be lovely sentiments. Think of them as ten new commandments for living. The poor, he is saying, don't just pity them. Help them. The desperate and the grieving, don't just feel sorry for them. Console them and comfort them. The hungry, don't just talk about how tragic such a reality is. Find a way to help feed them. And on and on and on. You see, Christianity doesn't allow us to simply look forward to the comfort of our own eternal future. Or to escape this current reality in enlightened thoughts or in material detachment. No, Christianity demands that we live our lives at the foot of the mountain, so to speak which is to say here on earth, striving to make things in the here and now ever so slightly more as they are in heaven. It is a religion of descent. But likewise, Christianity does not allow us to reduce our faith and our sense of existence to the here and now, as if the here and now were it, and as if our ideas for how things should be in the here and now are products of our own preferences and predilections. No. Christianity demands that we faithfully time and again reascend to the mountain, praying for and seeking the Holy Spirit, remembering that our ideas of how things should be come not from human minds or preferences, but from the mouth of the very one who spoke the world into being in the first place. 
drawing strength for today from the spiritual power of bright hope for tomorrow. For in being a religion of dissent, Christianity is also and is emphatically so also a religion of ascent. In short, as Christians, we cannot reduce our faith to something purely intellectual or spiritual in nature. Just as we can't reduce our faith to something merely material or earthly either. It is both. And what that means is this. It means that we cannot then accept the claims of Jesus Christ as true and as inspirational without seeking to put them into action in our daily lives. It is far easier to think that no one should commit murder than it is to get off the couch and feed the hungry. It is far easier not to steal than it is to actively help the poor by giving them some of what we've earned. It is far easier not to take the Lord's name in vain than it is to show up for and try to offer support to someone who thinks that what is vain is life itself. The point here is not that we should take murder or theft or blasphemy or any of the other Ten Commandments more lightly. Of course it's not. Instead, the point is that we should start taking the Beatitudes far more seriously. Because, like Moses, Jesus went up the mountain too. But unlike Moses, Jesus didn't just write down what God told him. Instead, Jesus spoke as God himself. Yes, he went up the mountain. But then he also came down. Blessed are we who truly understand the significance. Amen.